Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. I want to continue um, speaking about concerning Psalm 84 verse 11. Last week, um, the Lord took over the service and um, He gave us this prophetic promise that He's going to do good things for us. For those who walk uprightly, the Bible says that God will do good things for you. And I challenged you to remember this psalm and to log it into your memory eternally. Uh, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. So we need an upright walk. Um, the verse that Andy read this morning in Titus 2 is essential. We prosecuted that verse a few weeks ago, how that the grace of God teaches us to say no. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. Grace is an educator. Grace is an instructor. It teaches. It's your teacher. It will inform you of how to recognize what is wrong and to distance yourself from what is wrong. That's what grace can do. And I, I will do a separate session later, uh, in the three or four weeks from now, where I will teach you what the Bible says concerning that, how grace teaches you to distinguish between the profane and the holy, the ungodly and the godly, the unrighteous and the righteous, the good and the bad, that which is evil and that which is sanctified or sanctity. And uh, the grace of God really does educate and teach us um, these things. And then I said to you that when you have an upright walk before the Lord, that God gives you good things. And we said the word good there um, last week in church is the Hebrew tob. And we went through, I think, about seven or eight nuances of this word good. Everyone say good things. Say it again, good things. Now, I don't believe um, there's much else I could speak on even as we go through. And my, 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 the way I'm wired theologically is to teach. So my preference is always to teach line upon line and precept upon precept. But last week's word was largely prophetic. And the prophetic dynamic just came through so powerfully. And I think the Lord wants us to continue in that vein both this week and next week. I have two words here. The one I, will, I really want to teach now, but I don't feel the green light of the Lord. It's concerning Joshua 3 verse 5. But we'll get there. But before we get there, I don't want to leave this undealt with. True to my nature, I want to just unearth all that is in, that is in here. Okay? So we said that the word good, tob, is that which is appealing to the senses and pleasant. Say good things. Say that which is useful and profitable. Say good things. That's what the word good thing means. Useful, profitable, that's what God's going to do for me. Say that which is abundant and plentiful. Say that which is kind and benevolent. Say that which is proper and becoming. That which bears the state of well-being. Say happiness. Say the better of two alternatives. That's what God's going to give to us. That all of those concepts are in one word called good. That's what God is going to do for us. That's what God's going to do for us. Everyone say the better of two alternatives. And I think the power of choice God will give to us. And so I really want to encourage you um, to, if you are hamstrung in your decision-making processes, your alternatives limited, now expect a range of, of options that God is going to, to bring your way. Good things. Now, I was reminded of what Pastor Thamo taught a few years ago from the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Um, whenever God made something, the Bible says that He saw that it was good. So every item of creation is a good thing that God made from the creative account. Okay, 
The same word good is used here. If he made something and he saw that it was good. Now he says, to those who live righteously and upright, I'm going to do good things. So I like to think prophetically at times, not just uh, didactically in terms of my teacher hat. When I think prophetically of that verse, I then think like this. If you, in the creation account, created things and called it good, and now you tell me, if I walk uprightly, you do good things, then you are telling me my uprightness will activate your creative potential. Righteousness activates creativity in God. And that He will craft, orchestrate, and make, if you would, certain things, circumstances, or processes designed to benefit you. That's good, pleasant, benevolent, abundant, plentiful. All the nuances of this word will come to you. Because that's how God described everything that He created in creation. So everyone say creative capacity. Good things. Say good things. So you think good things, you say you created stuff, you called it good. So your, your capacity as creator is going to be unearthed by my righteous walk or by up, my upright walk. Now, when Pastor Thamo taught Galatians or Genesis chapter 2 verse 1, this is a few schools ago, way back, but it's one of his favorite principles that he teaches. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and there... Their hosts. Um, by the seventh day, God completed His work, which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had, which He had done. Go back to verse one. It says, "The heavens and the earth were completed. Not just heavens and the earth, and what else? And all their hosts. Does heaven have hosts? Yes. Does earth have hosts?" According to the scripture, yes. The word host, we often only attribute to heaven, but it's also attributable to the earth. Because God completed the heavens and their hosts. The word host here is the Hebrew word sabah. Uh, T-S-A-B-A. The T is silent. Sabah in Hebrew. Sabah literally means everything created to function with military precision. Okay. Everything created to function with military precision, and it highlights God's nature as a man of war. Everyone say created with order, with military precision. Do you know God, God is not um, a chancer? Who knows that? God is not haphazard. God is not casual in His approach to creation, nor in His dealings with us as individuals. Say hosts. So hosts is something created with military precision with the idea, listen carefully, of servanthood. So what God creates is designed to serve. You've got to get this. What He creates, He creates in a very ordered fashion with the idea of it serving another and also with the idea of deputyship. Because the word, look at the next verse in verse 2. The next word, yeah, he completed his work. The word work there is malake. And malake is from malak, which means ambassador or deputy. So God says, I will create something that I can stand back away from. It deputizes on behalf of me as though I'm there. I give it authority to represent me. So please remember this, everything God made both in heaven and earth is designed, listen carefully, with military precision, right? Very ordered fashion to serve. Everyone say serve. And it serves, deputizes on God's behalf in His absence. That's why He can make another day called the seventh day. Look at it, verse 3. By the seventh day, God blessed the seventh day and He sanctified it because in it He rested from His Work. God has never worked since. Listen to me. God has never worked since. Because he, this text says, He rested from all His work, which God, create, when God, which God had created and made. So God doesn't work, yet He works. It's a paradox. How does He work today? He works in and through 
the host in heaven and earth that he created, to deputize on his behalf, working and serving another called man, who is his son. The, the, what he made, is ser- he deputizes on his behalf to serve the Son of God. Right? Now, I really want to encourage you, with the whole series on righteousness is coming authority. A few weeks ago, I taught you from Romans 6 that whomever you bow to becomes your master. Paul argues in Romans 6, if you submit yourself, your members as instruments of unrighteousness, well, that will have authority over you. But if you submit yourselves as instruments of righteousness, righteousness will be your, your ruler. And I want to prophetically, please, this is a prophetic message, to so open up your heart and receive the, the installments of what I would lodge into you. I'm saying to all of you, now get ready for the... For, for God to cause what He has positioned in military arrangement, both in heaven and in earth, to serve the purposes of God vested in you. It's going to be, something's going to serve you. What you need, something will serve you. Something comes to aid you because you are bent on two things. You're the son of God. You want to represent him both in nature and in function. So God then will now bring every resource that you need to serve you. And the thing that he will bring to serve you will deputize upon his behalf as though he's actually doing it. And when you will see it, you will not, be, you will not idolize the thing, but your focus will be on what the thing represents or to whom the thing deputizes on behalf of. So we're not enthralled by the miraculous. We want to know who is the author. What does it mean? Why is he doing it? God's saying, I will do it on my behalf. So I am I'm putting that out in obedience to the Lord as a prophetic witness to you that God is going to cause, when he says, I will give you good things, what he made in the creative account is good. Those works he completed with the idea of military precision designed to serve you, the Son of God. And when they serve you, they will showcase him. They will deputize on be, on behalf of him. Okay? So we say, hey, God worked. Hey, God worked, eh? Yes, he did, but he didn't. He worked because you activated a principle that got the results. He programmed both heaven and earth with principles. So, for example, if you create the condition of oneness according to Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Verse 3 says, for there the Lord will do what? Command a blessing. The blessing is waiting to be released. Listen doesn't get off his throne and say, who check the church in Durban, DCF. They're gathering in oneness. Let's Holy Ghost, son, let's focus and now let's... No, God doesn't. He's, what he doing? He's in rest. All he says, I program the works. You in the earth, create the conditions. I will respond automatically. It's wired into the hosts. It's wired into... That's why if you sow, what happens? God does not waiting. Who the man sold? Let me ensure that I watch him. No, God says the principle is set. Anybody who jumps off a high building, are you going to pray, let me fall down to the ground? No, there's a principle in the earth called gravity. You activate the principle, you get the results. I'm saying that works everywhere with God. And that is how he works. By the principles and the things, both in heaven and earth, that deputize on his on his behalf. Now, I want to just quickly focus on, go back to Psalm 84. That was a bansela, as we say, a freebie. You're throwing that out there. That's a prophetic, prophetic principle. Okay? It is interesting that God says that he is a sun and a shield, and he gives both what? Grace and, and glory. Okay, he gives both grace and glory. And I often meditated on this in a long, long period of time. Why, what does this mean? Now, if you think about the sun, we look at a shield in a moment. 
But why I'm concerned and want to focus primarily on God as son and not in this session as shield is because I link son to grace and shield to glory. God is both the son and a shield. He gives grace and glory. As a son, he gives grace. As a shield, he will be glory or give glory. Okay. Remember what David says, Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are what? You are my glory and the the lifter of my head. So shield does protect, not so? A shield does protect. In fact, let's just deal with that. Somewhere in my notes, I'm trying to find it, because it's just a brief. I want to focus on God as son. But let me just say this. If you are righteous, God will protect you as a shield. Okay? Righteousness will be the activating principle that activates God as your preservation, as your pro protection. Thou, O Lord, are shield about me. You're my glory and you are the lifter of my head. In Psalm, in Isaiah 84, it says, The glory of the Lord will be your rear God. So glory, His nature manifested in and through you, is your protection. Okay? Now, even beyond that, God is intent on protecting His sons. And I want to encourage anybody here, do not go through life in fear. Fear not are two powerful verses that are mentioned 365 times in the whole Bible. There are 365 days in a year. There's one fear not for each day of the year. The whole year, you don't have to fear because God has took, taken care of it. Do not fear. Why? And let me just say this. You know that when your righteousness is compromised, you are in fear because you feel vulnerable. Not so? You feel that you broke the hedge. You feel that you opened a, a door. You feel vulnerable to attack. But when your righteousness, when your design, you live according to the design of God, when that is in place, you feel strong. Not in There's, there's no confidence in your ability to be righteous that makes you feel strong. But somehow you know that when you have lived a life pleasing to God, you feel fortified. You can even face the most severest trial knowing I'm pleasing to God. So he's permitted this for some reason, but no fear is going to accompany me as I engage or deal with this suffering or with this trial. Tell someone, fear not. And I want to encourage you. I never, whenever, uh, if I violate a principle, I feel so compromised. I feel so exposed. I quickly repent. Say, God, cover me once again. Righteousness is coming like a shield round about you. Psalm 12, 5 verse 12 says the following. Before we do that, Genesis 15 is interesting. In Genesis 13, Lot leaves Abraham. In Genesis 14, Lot is taken captive by Chidaloma and an alliance of four Persian kingdoms. Abraham goes to rescue Lot, comes back rich. End of chapter 14, he pays a tithe to Mel. Ketedek, his spiritual father, he honors his father in the Lord. And this is how the next chapter opens, after these things. Everyone say these things. What things? What things happened in chapter 14? Well, in chapter 14, he went to rescue righteous Lot. He rescued a brother that left him. He rescued one that dishonored him. He passes the brother test. He passes the forgiveness test. Yeah? He comes with the booty and he honors who? Melchizedek. There are two tests in life everyone will have to pass. It's a brother test and a father test. Right? He honors his brother, rescues him, and he honors his spiritual father, which was Melchizedek, who served him bread and, and wine. And when the Bible says, wow, God is looking at Abraham. God is very pleased with the man, right? So after that, God says to him, the Bible says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. The word of the Lord only comes to you. Like I said, you've activated a principle that activates God speaking now. You've obeyed certain principle that, that gives God liberty to speak. Okay? And it says, what does God say to Abraham? First words out of God's mouth. Do not. I mean, the man just dealt with four Persian empires. Rescuing Lot. So obviously, in his psycho soul, there's the element of a reprisal from that domain. 
Maybe they will come and attack me. Maybe they're plotting for a, a, a response. God knew that about Abraham. So he just come from a major war. So what does God say to him? First words, Abraham, do not fear. I am your shield. I am your shield. And your reward will be very great. Right? Not just great. Your reward will be very great. Interestingly, I don't have time to explain this. If you study this word in the Hebrew, in my paraphrase, God is saying, I will personally write out your checks from now onwards. That's what God is meaning. Study it in the Hebrew. God is saying, now your remuneration, your blessing is going to personally come from my hand. Because you pass to major you see, Abraham acted righteously towards a brother, and Abraham acted righteously towards a spiritual father. His acts of righteousness activates God's shield as a protective measure round about him. I want to encourage you, what you do protects you. How you behave is your preservation. Right? Uh, four weeks from now, we'll do integrity. It's a very, very important lesson on integrity. And there, David says so many times, according to his praise to God and like bargains with God, he says, according to the integrity of my hands, deliver me. See, cleanness, now God deliver me. The, how you live will deliver you. Tell someone, live right. Come on, prophesy to someone. Say, live right and be delivered. And you won't be livid. <laughs> you're livid unnecessarily because you're not living right, therefore you're not delivered. Your life is your protection. What does the Bible say in John? He who breaks the hedge, a serpent will bite him. Don't break the hedge. Don't violate the principle. If you're struggling economically, I will simply ask you, are you consistent, faithful in your financial giving? Have you broken the hedge? Right? S simple things. God is going to work. He's not going to get out of rest to respond personally to your issues. He said, no, I'm in rest. You want my work? Activate my principles. Okay? Activate my principles. The shield protects you because by virtue of your life. Psalm 5 verse 12 says, the NASB, for it's you who blesses the righteous man. A lovely verse to log into your memory as well. You who blesses the righteous man, O Lord, and you surround him with favor as with a shield. The word favor is hen, which is translated grace. So grace also is your shield. But remember what I said to you last week. Grace is the substructure for glory. Grace is what gives glory its basis or foundation upon which to function. It's a lovely, lovely scripture. Check this out in the Bible in basic English, the BBE version. It's available free if you're using Esau. It's a free download, lovely version of the Bible. The BBE says the same verse like this. For you, O Lord, will send a blessing upon the upright, and your grace will be all around him, and this will be his strength. Okay, your grace will be all around him, and this will be his strength. Okay, let's go back to the Lord as a son. Everyone say, God is a son. Now, when you think of the sun, think of the bright sun outside. This is not S-O-N. It says the Lord God is a S-U-N. So God deliberately likens himself as unto an S-U-N, the sun. Okay? Now, have you any, anybody studied the sun? It'll make very interesting. I haven't done this in depth. I'm not interested in the, the, the physical side or the scientific side of things. I think there's great truth in that. You know what the Bible says, uh, if you want wisdom, where must you go to? Go to the ant and study the ant. God says, don't just study my word. Listen carefully. Yes, you must study the word. But the word tells you what to study. It says, go to the ant and study the ant in detail and get wisdom. God's saying, some of my wisdom I put into my works. Right? And if he's saying, I am a son, I think it will very, make very good study especially those of you that are fundies in physics and chemistry, etc., to study the sun and to draw um, reference to aspects of God's nature. So I'm going to speak very loosely because I'm not a physicist, right? And I speak under correction. 
But basically what I want to talk about is God's nature as the sun. I'm going to go very fast because of time. In reference to the sun being a source of light, life, energy, and exposure. Light, life, energy, and exposure. Look at the first one. Everyone say light. Right now, all of these blessings come to who? Him who walks uprightly. Listen carefully. Now, light refers to illumination. If something is lightened, it means it's out of darkness, it's out of ignorance. Darkness is a metaphor for ignorance. Light, on the other hand, is a metaphor for knowledge and enlightenment, uh, illumination. So things that were once dark, or secretive are no longer. They are open and you can see and your understanding is deepened in reference to what you are contemplating. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3 is a lovely verse in this respect. It says, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of the heavens. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So it speaks about, everyone say insight. Insight will shine brightly. So insight is linked to shining disposition, illumination. Okay, It says, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of the, of the heavens. Those are the works of God's hands. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars for forever and ever. And the sun is a star, by the way. It's one of the stars in, of many in the galaxies, right? A huge star, as it were. Now, everyone say insight. I want you to trust God for insight. I want you to trust God for understanding. If things are hard to understand, don't be satisfied with that. You must say to God, like David said, open my eyes that I might see the wonderful things in thy law. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Your understanding being enlightened. I've really been praying this prayer a lot recently. I'm trying to rationally work things out, but I can't use my mind. If you don't show me, I will never see it. So please enlighten me. Everyone say enlighten me. And the Lord said this to me, keep, 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 keep keeping yourself pure. Because if you maintain righteousness, I will make you shine. Illumination and understanding comes to the righteous. I want to submit to everybody here, if you're not going to live a holy life, don't expect to understand most things. But the moment you say, God, circumspection, eyes are going to be open to see the secrets of the Lord. In fact, there's a verse, I hope I have it in my notes, 32, yes, so, sorry, Pro Proverbs 3 verse 32. Proverbs 3 verse 32 says the following, For the devious are an abomination, but he is intimate with who? He is intimate with the upright. The word upright here is righteous. He's intimate. Who wants to be intimate with God? Right? The same, ver the same verse in the King James Bible says the following, He is fro for the froward or the devious is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with who? His secret is with the righteous. Who loves secrets? The young people? <laughs> you love secrets? Now who loves, who wants to know the Lord's secrets? Yeah? God says, I will be intimate with a particular caliber of person. I will be intimate with the righteous. Amen? So I want to provoke you. When it says the Lord God is a son, he's saying, I want to bring my illumination to you. I want to lighten your mind. I, you know, I'm starting to think about certain aspects of theology at levels I never ever thought I would engage in. And I want to challenge you. Tell someone, go deeper. Uh, don't just read the Bible casually. There are things there that if you don't become a, 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 a tourist when you read the Bible, don't adopt a tourist mentality. I'm tourist yet. Yeah, sure, what's there for me today? Let's go see here, yeah, go see there. 
No, you don't adopt a tourist mindset. You must adopt a explorer mindset. Yeah? People say, I was chatting to someone yesterday, and I said, we're chatting about the next Trinidad trip. And so I said to them, we're going to stop in New York on the way back. And uh, we're saying, oh, you've traveled a bit, so you must have seen a lot of places. I said, no, not really. My travels are airport to airport to hotel to conference room, sleep, go back, and come back home. Oh, but you've been to a da. Da. <laughs> I've been there but seen nothing. I've been all over the place but literally haven't seen the place. Why? I'm not, I'm not traveling as a tourist. Maybe one day. But I'm traveling with, I'm mission-minded. I'm focused, so focused on the assignment. People think traveling is glamorous. By the way, brethren, not at all. It's sacrificial. It's a cost involved on all fronts. Amen? And, um, but let me encourage you, when you read the scriptures, don't read it as a tourist. Read it as an as a scuba diver. Go deeper. Tell someone, go deeper. The Bible says it's the privilege of God to hide a matter. God wants to hide. You know, Thamo said something recently. He said, we have, the earth hasn't yielded its fullest potential to sons of men yet. He says, in this earth, this small globe planet that we live on, there's so much in terms of the hosts that God made that he planted in it that it hasn't revealed its fullest resourceful and, and wealth, even wealth potential to the earth. It's waiting for the manifestation of the, of the sons of God. And I want to encourage you that if we can start manifesting sonship, maybe we'll get a little bit of what the earth has in store to reveal to, to you and I. Amen. Psalm 25 verse 4 says the following, The secret of the Lord is with those that fear Him. Oh, I can get the wrong, the wrong verse here. I think it's Proverbs 25.4. But it says, The secret of the Lord is with those that fear Him. Just, just lift up your, close your eyes and lift up your hands. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. He is intimate with the righteous. His secret is with the righteous. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of the heavens. Father, I pray even now that we all will have greater understanding and clarity in your word. Father, that's our desire. We want to see beyond seeing, hear beyond hearing. If you don't show it to us, we're never going to see it. So we ask humbly today, give us more and show us more. Remove the blur and the, the blindness in our minds. I even pray for even all our young people and the little children. Pray even them will start to understand things and see things more clearly in your word. We love your word and we want to find out its depths. You said it's your glory to hide it, but it's the honor of kings to search the matters out. So we want to be a searching company. So we ask God, give us understanding according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the second aspect about the sun, it's, it brings obviously light in the natural sense. And also that light is critical for life. Not so? That's how it works in the natural. You need light. You need sunlight for life. Right? Without it, uh, plants will, will die literally. But there's an interesting verse in John chapter 1 and verse from verse 1 to 4. Listen carefully. What does it say about Jesus? In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. The Word was God. In the, he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Apart from Him, nothing came into being that came into being. In Him was what? In Him was life. And the life was the, the light of men. Where did the sun come from? Jesus. Who made all things? Jesus. By Him were all things made. Colossians says, And in Him all things consist. Right? 
So, light comes from life. In Him was life. And that life was light. What is light? Life. Your, let me submit this to you. Application to you. Your life will be a light to men. How you live showcases God's nature as a son that gives life to everybody in your sphere, but it's not so much given by your words, it's given by your life. How you live should shine into darkened places in the minds of people, and they should get revelation when they study your life. Do not darken people's perception by how wrongly you live. Because you are the reputation of God. Now that life is in you. So you must not darken people's perception of the God that you serve by living wrongly. But wherever you go, there should be light. So darkness is alien to you and it doesn't attract you. No attraction for you. And I want to encourage you, live lightly. Tell someone, live lightly. And that, I don't mean as the opposite to being living heavily. Live light as a light shining. Live, live lightfully. Live, uh, you are the radiance and the emanation, the brilliance of God's reputation. I really want to encourage you. Um, on occasion, I've seen some people, and when I meet them, some in our house, and I see darkness all over the person with prophetic eyes. I see, yeah, I don't have proof of what you're doing, but I don't see light. I look into some people's eyeballs because the Bible says the eyes reveal the, the soul, right? You see through your eyes, not with your eyes, right? And I'm seeing, uh, Renee has got this capacity more strongly than I have, but because I've, I'm living with her, it's also mine now, right? <laughs> right? I sometimes can look at a person and I'm saying, wow, how great is the darkness, the Bible says in Matthew 6, remember? The eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. What's your lamp? Your spirit is your lamp, according to Proverbs 22. It says the spirit of the man is the lamp of the Lord. So the eye is the lamp of your body. And if your eye is clear, your body is full of light. Right? But if your eye is, if your eye is bad... How your body is full of darkness. Then it says, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Right? I want to beg the church to not entertain any expression of darkness in your being. Because the lights will go off. Don't tamper or dabble in things you should not be engaging in. It's going to affect your light. You see, grace and glory comes from God the Son. He's saying, I'm going to respond with good things. Grace and glory. But to those who walk uprightly, God is saying, my sunlight, my light, which is my life vested in my Son, that Son is now in you, must be manifested in and through your life. But if your life in you is darkness... You have a bad eye, the Bible, some versions say, an evil eye. How great then is the darkness in you. Amen? Tell someone, no more darkness. And you know, sunlight as compared to darkness, you do things in the dark because you don't want people to find out. You do things behind closed doors, privately, personally, in the hope that it will not be exposed. But let me make an announcement to this church this morning. God's spotlight, not just His sunlight. It's a big spotlight now. is on the whole church. I prophesy to you by the Spirit of the Lord that every darkened thing will be exposed. That everything done behind closed doors in crevices without no one's knowledge, if you don't repent of it, it will be unearthed and come to light. In fact, there's a bunch of scriptures, I don't want to go there, but there's a whole bunch of scriptures that actually teach that in the Bible. The things done in secret will be shouted from mountaintops or rooftops, okay? 
So listen carefully. If there is secretive darkness, you are bound by that domain. Because you are submitting your members, your body, your soul, and your flesh, your, your body, your, your soul, spirit, and flesh, your members, to unrighteousness. And that becomes the ruler over you. Okay? But I, I want to ask everybody. Everyone say light. light. I want to see it on your faces. What I'm saying is, you don't have to look light facially in terms of your skin tone to reflect the light of God. Right? But I'm asking you, brethren, when I see you, I want to see light. I want to see cleanness. I want to see purity. I want to see righteousness. If you say that God is your father, well, he is a son. And you must become son. Because in your life will be reflected the light that he is. Right? Your life is your Light. And let me prove this to you quickly. Okay, let me go there quickly. I don't want to go there, but go to Matthew 13. Because you need to see this in Matthew 13. Who remembers the parable in Matthew 13? Matthew 13 contains parables galore, right? A long chapter, parable after parable, he just speaks. The very first parable is about the parable of the seed, the sower and the seed. Right? So it's this, me, because of time, succinctly captured it. So Jesus said, there's this guy, he's a sower. He went out to sow seed. The seed fell on four types of ground. I love what Ralph, you must listen to Ralph's word. He said, the Bible says that he scattered his seed. And scattering is different to sowing. Right? When you scatter, the seed falls, on, it falls everywhere. Right? Some fell on the roadside. Right? Some fell on the rocks, some fell on the thorns, and some fell on good ground. So it's rocks, stone, thorn, good ground. Jesus, and then it says, the seed that fell on the roadside, the birds came in, plucked it away. The seed that fell on the rock, uh, no roots, you can't, the, root, the, the seed can't develop a root system in a rock, and then it dies. The seed that fell on Thorns, among thorns, the thorns grow and choke. The seed that fell on the good soil grow and bore forth much fruit. The interpretation of the parable is this. They want to know what do these things mean. Jesus then said, okay, let's back up. Watch. The sower is who? The preacher. The seed is who? Is what? The word of God. The four types of soil are the states of the heart. And based upon the degree of your hearing. So the state of the heart, the seed, the word that fell on the wayside, the Bible says the birds of the air came in, stole it away. Jesus said, interpreted, is that guy who hears the word, but he doesn't understand. So if you, if you don't understand something, it's, you can't tell me, listen carefully. Some people tell me, some of your messages are hard to understand. I say, chase away the birds. Because there's a demonic element, listen carefully, to the failure to understand. Publicly, when you don't understand, possibly, there's a bird of the air, which is a reference to the demonic, coming to snatch away the seed. Because the Bible knows once you get it, obedience is reflexive. Because Psalm 111, the last verse in Psalm 111 says, Great understanding have they that do your will. Right? The seed that fell on the rocks... No root system, and Jesus interpreted like that. You hear the word, but because you, the Bible says you have no root within yourself, and then the trials of this life come because of the word. How many of you know some of you are only having trials because of what you're hearing? Please don't go, stay. But it says you only try because, because of the word you had. The, the, the temptation comes, but because you've got no root within yourself, you easily fall away. And then he said, just for time, he said, the seed that fell on among thorns, you hear the word, and two things kill the word. Watch, two things kill, what chokes the word? What's a thorn? Jesus said two things. Anxiety and the cares of this life, and secondly, the deceitful nature of riches. Right, the greed 
for money and covetousness is something that will kill the seed of the word. Then he said this, watch. Then he said, oh, they want to know, so the seed on the good ground? He says, well, the seed of the, that fell on the good ground is he who understands the word and obeys, puts it into practice. But even on the good soil, Jesus says, some will heal 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Even on good soil, the state of the heart, which is good, your healed will be the, the dependent upon the degree to which you've all, how you've heard and how you've all paid. The rigor, the consistency, the diligence, etc. Right? Then he tells a few other parables. Then right at the bottom of Matthew 13, he, and the Bible says, and he spake another parable unto them. And Jesus says, there was a man who not scattered seed now, but who sowed seed in his field. But while he slept, an enemy came and sowed tears or weed. The both of them grew up to, together. And the farmer said, must I take the weeds out? And Jesus said, no. Let them grow to, together until harvest. For at harvest time, you'll be able to do, distinguish. So the Bible says at harvest time, the weeds or the tares were gathered out and to be burned in the, in the fire. Okay, Now let's pick it up in Matthew 13. And I want to demonstrate something. I hope I got the right text here. Matthew 13. Let's read from verse 37. This is how he interprets the second parable. It's not like the first. Both about seeds and sowing, but both have completely different interpretations. Right? Then he says, The one who sows the seed, the good seed, is the Son of Man, also equated to the preacher. I won't have time to explain. The field is what? In the first place, the field was your heart. Now the field is the? The world. And as for the good seed, these are what? Sons of the kingdom. The tares are who? Sons of the evil one. Verse 40, or verse 39. The enemy who sowed them is what? The devil. The harvest is what? End of the age. The reapers are angels. I believe not celestial wing creatures sent one messengers of the Lord. I won't have time to explain. Verse 40. So just as the tares are gathered up and are burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. Just keep it there. By the way, a very important lesson is the kind of tares that are sown was so much alike the good seed that when they grow, they look alike. So that's why Jesus said, leave them. They are so alike. If you try to take the tears out prematurely, you might extract some good, right? But everyone say at harvest. At harvest time, tears, the, the kernel bears in the head of the grain of the good seed. It becomes heavy such that it... It bows, but the wheat stand up, right? Important lesson, when you are fruitful, remain humble, right? When, when, in your harvest, maintain your humility. Otherwise, the, I often say the, the start of your breakthrough could signal the commencement of your breakdown, right? You always remain humble in, when God blesses you, and that will distinguish you at the end of the age. Humility with great harvest distinguishes sons from the devil versus sons of the kingdom. What is the kingdom? We just sung it. The kingdom is righteousness. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 41 then says, The Son of Man will send His angels, will gather them. He will gather what? Out of His Kingdom or what? Stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. Lawlessness means without law. Anybody without law, yeah, law, not Old Testament law. Law means principles. 
You're not a principled, disciplined person. You're indisciplined. You're without governance. You're without law. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7? It says, and they will all come to me at the end of the age, and they will say, hey, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? And in your name did we not do mighty works? And what will he say? He will say, depart from me. I never knew you in the first place. You are listen carefully. It is dangerous to validate someone based upon miracles. Because it's possible biblically to perform them and yet not know God. The Bible also speaks about lying signs and wonders that will deceive many. So Jesus said, they come to me and they say, we cast out devils in your name. In your name we performed mighty miracles. His response is, depart from me. I never knew you, and the text says this. I want to have time to read it. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness without discipline, without law. So there's a distinction here, watch, between sons of the evil one that are offensive. A stumbling block means, we sing this when we sing um, rule among men. Extract from your kingdom all things that offend. This is the text. All stumbling blocks and those who practice lawlessness. Let me just ask you, brethren. We all need principles. You need governing principles for life. Left to yourself, you will do what you want to when you want to. With no, with no governing factor in your life. This is not control. This is not manipulation. This is a life lived principally, right? The grace of God, Titus 2 that Andy quoted, teaches me to deny ungodliness. And 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, For the grace of God teaches me, when I live in it, it says to live with godly sincerity, uprightness, and sensibility. Everyone say sensibility. And when I discussed this with you a few weeks ago, it means moderately. What is moderation? I know when to stop. Yeah? Moderation is, it's a good thing, but a good thing can be a bad thing if it's overdone. Right? So the grace of God teaches me moder moderation. Okay? You need a moderator in your life. It's called grace. Grace will teach you moderation. Yeah? Yeah? Hallelujah? How's the sugar going, guys? <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm on to one teaspoon of sugar. But all of you should be very happy with me. <laughs> yeah? For the past how many months? Two, three months. Before God, I've never cheated when she wasn't looking. <laughs> I'm trying to be. I'm saying, remember I said to you, all things are profitable, but I will not be mastered by any. I will not, the profitable thing will not master me. Everyone say, master everything. So you're not in subjection. Now, watch. The next verse is very important and following. Listen carefully. It says, We'll throw them into the furnace of fire, that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43. Then what? The righteous will do what? Will shine how? Will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father, he who has an ear, let him hear. You see, God is a sun and shield. But he expects his sons of the kingdom to be as he is. When do sons shine like the sun? Like their father. You see, the seed in the first parable was the word. But in the second parable, the seed is a son. The seed is. Is the Son made flesh. Huh? The Son has become practiced, disciplined, without law. He's, he's not a tear. He is not a weed. He's a seed that was the Word in the first parable, sown on the good soil of His heart. Listen carefully. If the Word, according to the first parable, can be sowed in your heart, which is good, Yielding either 30, 60, or 100 dependent on you. You become that word sown. You become the word and you can be sown 
into the field. The world. And there you, before men, you can now shine. Like your father, it says the righteous will shine like their father in the kingdom. Or shine as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Tell someone you are son. You're, tell them, you, in case they misunderstand you, tell them you're S-U-N. You're S-U-N. Brethren, I'm going to Malawi this week, from Monday to Friday, to preach at a financial conference. My, my praise God, may I shine. Let my life be light. May I govern my life so in a disciplined fashion. That the word that you've given me, I've become it. I've become a living epistle, known and read of, of all men. Malachi, the one we sang, Malachi, what's it, 4? Verse 1 and 2. Verse 2, because of time, just look at verse 2. For you will fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves, from the store. Have you ever seen calves, little, little baby sheep, pinned up in a store? And then when the shepherd opens that gate, it's like the joy unspeakable and full of glory. They skip about, oh, happy, you know. I tell you, tell someone that's going to be your experience. You've been too confined. God's about to open the gates. Listen carefully. What is a prophetic word to you? God is saying, I'm going to bring healing to every fractured part of you. Yes. Everyone say yes. Healing in his wings. That's what the sun, when he, one aspect about God's nature as sun is the fact that he binds up bruises. He binds up fractures. But I'm saying to God, bind up my fractures. Heal my hurt. Heal my deficiencies. I don't know what I'm saying. What I'm Speaking prophetically, I'm saying to all of us this morning, let's go on a path of healing. Huh? Let's go on a path of correcting every deficiency. God's saying, if you do this, my son, my daughter, I'm backing you up. I'm rising like a sun over you. I will be your, I'm a son of righteousness with healing in my, in my wings. One or two scriptures, then I'll pray for you. Listen carefully. Isaiah 60 verse 19. No longer will you have the sun for light. There's coming a day when you will only need the physical sun. Because that dimension will be so embodied in sons of God. It will be rendered. Who would like to render the sun obsolete in, in, in human experience? You say, thank you sun for all your service. You deputized on God's behalf. You served man. You were the part of the host in the heavens. Thank you. But we've become you now. Bye-bye. Right? The Bible says we won't need the sun. Do you know the earth once existed without it? Because the earth was made on day three. And the sun, moon, stars are only made on day four. So the earth lived independently of the sun. And we're going to get back to that place. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will you have the moon to give light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your, for your glory. Next verse. Your sun will no longer set. How's that? Woo, woo. You know, I, this is my kind of life. Because I, I wish I didn't have to sleep. And just do the work of the Lord all the time. You know. Nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting life. And the days of your mourning will be, will be over. And verse 21 is a powerful promise. All your people will be righteous. Prophesy to you all, you will be righteous and live righteously before the Lord. And then you're going to possess lands. Dominion comes to those who shine like the sun in their righteousness. Look at verse 22 because of time. The smallest one will become a thousand. The word clan here means a thousand. The smallest one will exhibit the power of a thousand people. How is that for promise? How is that for increased potential? 
the least will one, a mighty nation. I, the Lord, I will hasten it in its time. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Okay? Revelation 21. Revelation, we just got one more, two more than we've done. I'll, I'll read these for the sake of the tape, and then we're going to pray. Revelation 21 verse 22 is talking about the, the new city of the Lord, the new Jerusalem, which is the church. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light. Your life is the light of men. Kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And listen to verse 27. Nothing unclean. No one who practices abomination and lying will ever come into it. And only those whose names are written in the book of the book of life. Isaiah 30 verse 26, quickly. The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. How is that? The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. This is a prophecy for glorified Zion, which is the state of the church. The light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun, seven times brighter. Who's seen the brightness of the sun? Okay, we've seen it, a measure of it, we know it. Magnify that seven times. Right? Seven times brighter, like the light of seven days compressed into one experience. That's great illumination, right? That's great energy. That's great grace. That's great life. On the day the Lord binds up what? The fracture of His people and He heals. Whenever you see light, you see healing. Whenever you see sun, you see healing. The bruise He has, He has afflicted. And then lastly, my favorite, absolute favorite is Proverbs 4, verse 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which is sunlight. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day, which is about 12 p.m. where the sun is at its height, its strength. As the morning unfolds, the rising sun breaks the darkness of the previous morn, right? And dawn breaks. And as the steps of a righteous man walk along the path of righteousness, each step, it says, it shines brighter and brighter even to the coming of the full day. I prophesy to you, all of you, your homes, your life will be bright. Now this gives a new meaning to, I see a bright future. Tell someone your future is bright. It's bright with light. Walk lightly. Walk lightfully. God's going to shine. You know, this word is very prophetic. There's a whole lot of concepts that I haven't unpacked yet. But I'm saying, if you grasp this, say, I want my life to be like the sun. Right? Let your light, Matthew, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works. Good works puts the nature of God on display. And who will they glorify? Please, when you shine, it's not for your glory. When you shine, it's to bring Him honor. Okay? Don't shine so brightly that you eclipse His glory. Always defer the glory back to Him. Always. The wise men came and they said, we've seen His star in the east. We've seen the star in the east, but we've come to worship Him. Amen? Lift up your hands before the Lord. Father, I bless Your people with grace and peace and strength. I pray great grace and peace be our portion. May we shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. We bless you for this word. God, break the darkness in us. Remove the darkness in us. I speak prophetically by the authority of the Lord Jesus to darkness in every home, in every life, that you will move back by the power of this word, that you will be 
dislodged, dislocated. You are, you are unearthed even now in the name of the Lord. I speak light and I speak a desire for light to live transparently, to live holy, to live in the light and not engage in the unfruitful works of darkness as your word declares. God, you are my son and you are our shield. You give grace and glory. No good thing are you going to withhold from the company that walked before you uprightly. I declare the works that you have created in your creative process are good works designed to serve the sons of men. Let them deputize on your behalf now, Father, in the name of the Lord, and come serve your purposes in us. I pray, I call into being every host, both in heaven and in, on earth, to serve God's purposes for this ministry and for every couple, for every family. I pray you go to work and serve the purposes of the Lord. I prophesy good things, for we have the firm basis of your word, God, to stand upon these promises. We are trusting you that these good things will glorify you, that you will receive honor, power, and glory. I pray, God, that we will shine like never before. I thank you this light will be that the light, like the light of seven days. Such will be its brightness. And kings will come. Your word promises to the light of our rising. Kings will come. And they will bring with them the wealth of the nations. Arise, shine, for your light is come, church. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Arise. I prophesy to you. Arise, church. Shine like the sun. Glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Tell someone your dark days are over.